Welcome back to the FlowTrack Podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is the email address. You can find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and on the website FlowTrack.org slash podcast. Gordon is still manning the spreadsheet about NCAA cross country. Do you have any updates for us, Gordon? Well, yesterday uh, broke the news that Big East is canceling fall sports. Uh, I had inside source told me, which is a Big East person, and yeah, that got us to fifty percent. And if we're at fifty percent, that means NCAs is going to be canceled. It's over. It happened. There's no NCAA cross country championships in 2020. Mm-hmm. We're still awaiting the official announcement on that. But was it last week when the board of governors met and they laid out their stipulations for what would happen in the fall? The 50% number was the threshold that each sport had to reach. And if that many programs had canceled, they said the fall championship would be canceled. Now, you could still run meets if your conference and institution wants to run, this would just cancel the NCAA championships. But for sport like cross country, it's hard to see teams competing without a championship. Yeah. And talking to some big 12 coaches, it, because it seems like big 12 is all full steam ahead. Big 12, SEC, ACC, even though PAC 12 and big 10 were like, we're out. They were like, we're still in. And, I think Big 12 and some of these other conferences that stay in, they're going to have a conference championship in cross country. And the question is, how do these coaches participate in that? I mean, they have to participate because it's their job to try to win conference championships, but it's also their job to think about the future. It's their job to not, like, I'll be shocked if someone like Isaid Rodriguez of Oklahoma State, who is an individual NCAA title contender, would waste a year of eligibility on just winning a big 12 title. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of these coaches are going to have to be really strategic with who to decide to run. They're probably running some walk-ons, some athletes who don't have an extra year of eligibility available anyway. Like they're going to be done after this year anyway, stuff like that, where, you know, I think the top athletes, like athletes from teams that aren't even going to be competing at a conference championship I think a lot of those coaches are going to be maybe putting on intra-squad races, maybe trying to simulate a cross-country season just in their backyard, maybe try to have a little more fun with it. It's going to be weird. Um, but, yeah, I guess once we get a little more knowledge of what conferences are still f- full steam ahead by September, we'll have a better chance of understanding, like, what the Oklahoma States, the Texas, Iowa States, what an Arkansas is going to do when they have this weird balancing act of don't waste a season of eligibility versus have to compete in a conference championship with no NCA carrot afterwards. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're just running a conference only season, that would mean if you wanted to schedule meets before your conference championship, you could only schedule them in conference, which for, cross country is is a strange phenomenon because you don't see, you see these big, huge invitational meets. You don't typically see a three and four team meet, except for maybe the first meet of the year where you have a lot of those walk-ons running, or you have a lot of the 
runners that are outside your top seven. It would be a very strange situation to say the least. I thought it was notable. Nebraska, their football program had spoken before about still wanting to go on, despite the fact that the big 10 had canceled fall sports. I saw a statement from their president this morning saying they're staying in the big 10. They're going to sit out fall football. They're staying in the big 10. There's obviously a lot of money at stake there with their television contract. I don't, they weren't not going to jump out uh, for, for just one season, particularly given, given the circumstances. Did we see any other, other than the big East, did we see any of the other mid-major conferences make decisions yesterday at all? I mean, big South went out basically during the pod. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I have a feeling big sky is going to pull out uh, soon. Um, I can check some sources, but, but the big things were uh, yesterday were Big South and Big East. Um, so mm-hmm. those were the two that cut the cord. Um, mm-hmm. Conference USA. Okay, Conference USA is still going. They they have not. Mm-hmm. They just made an, a statement that they're still in it. Um, How many are left total? How many conferences do we have left in cross country? How many conferences? Uh, yeah, give us that list again. Yeah, hold on. Oh, there's an NCA statement. Uh, let me read this NCA. So NCA grants eligibility extensions for student athletes who opt out, and an extra season for those who participate in fifty percent or less of a season. Mm. Ooh, fifty percent or less of a season. So. So you what if the season's then, two meets? You can just run conference. Yeah. If so yeah, you, you, you schedule three, yeah, you, you schedule, schedule three, three meets. meets. You have two dud meets after conferences, so you can have a conference championship, and then you have these two dud meets where no one runs, and therefore everyone gets eligibility back. Yeah. I, that is not just signaling. It's basically it's not a real. I mean, in no way, shape, or form is this going to be a a real season because you could just get a, get a do over yeah. from it. I'm, yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's I'm not surprising that the NCAA made that statement, but yeah, the statement's still a little bit confusing. Cause I'm not sure how it works. I remember talking to someone like, does this imply apply to only fifth years or does it apply mm-hmm. to like, if you're a redshirt sophomore, do you get a sixth year? Like by yeah. like in year 2025 or whatever, or is it only for, the people who are on the edge of leaving. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so let me bring up the uh, conferences that are left. So American Conference, ACC, the military schools, Atlantic Sun, Big 12, Big Sky, Conference USA, Horizon, Missouri Valley, Ohio Valley, SEC, Southern, Southland, Sunbelt, WAC, and West Coast Conference. They're the mm-hmm. ones who are still alive. But – the total of all those schools is less than 50% of the total of NCA. So therefore they can't host their own NCAAs with just those schools. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We await, we wait a statement from the NCAA. I'm assuming you follow other sports closer than I do at the NCAA level, particularly tennis. I know you're a big collegiate tennis fan. I'm assuming if just kidding. I'm assuming if cross country hit 50% that a lot of the other non-football sports have also hit 50%. Correct? Because the yeah. conferences aren't that much different. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, they have a lot of. If we're if we're at fifty percent, we're basically. I mean, cross country though. The only thing is, cross country is probably the biggest sport because of Title mm-hmm. Nine. Everyone wants to have a women's cross country team. So and it's also cheap to do. So basically, a majority of all NCAA institutions are at least represented in cross country. So if ha- basically yeah. half of all institutions have already canceled because if half of cross country is canceled, half of all institutions are canceled. So the only way that these other sports can stay under that 50% threshold is if it just happens to be that they're in a sport that only the, the, the 50% that are still alive care about, you know, like, I don't know if it's mm-hmm. like a regional type sport, like equestrian or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what's a weird yeah. sport that would have a weird uh, breakdown of geographic conferences. Like if it's a sport that's only in the South, because a lot like Southland, Southern, SEC, they're all still mm-hmm. alive. So, but I don't know. I mean, I did see a tweet that like women's soccer has already crossed the fifty percent threshold, stuff like that. So. Okay. Yeah, I I would guess it's close, but yeah, it's weird with the way the conferences work from sport to sport and how many different sports are sponsored by which which institutions. Because there are a lot of, I mean, how many teams? How many colleges have water polo? How many? Yeah. Colleges have squash. When Stanford cut all those sports, that was the first time I learned that some of those institutions sponsored sports <laughs> like that. Like they had, they had co-ed sailing and regular sailing. I did not know that there was sailing at the NCAA level. I knew there was crew, of course, because I watched the social network. Uh, also, my sister rode crew, so I probably should have known that before I watched the social network. But that just confirmed that it was still happening. But I didn't know about sailing. I did not know about sailing. I was going to say something derogatory towards people who do crew my brother also did did crew but Mm -hmm. crew is the person that isn't a varsity athlete that gets recruited as a freshman like hey here's your chance to be a varsity athlete and then everyone yeah everyone joins it well what's wild is the only sport where they literally recruit after you get to campus it's there's no like pre-campus recruiting it's all like at the is that because there's no high club because there's no high school crew is that is that why is there no I, high school crew? I mean, I probably it is a big reason. Yeah, yeah. What you just described yeah. is exactly how my sister came to crew. <laughs> so that's one hundred percent accurate, based on yeah. my one sample size. Uh, I don't well, know. Well, it was always weird because if you were because if you were an athlete, like a student athlete, and then all of a sudden, like you're the kid in your dorm who wasn't an athlete, wasn't there for like all of like the when you come like fall sports, like all the athletes are all on campus by themselves. So it's kind of cool. Like, it's just like the, it's just the athletes cool are there kids. for like the first three weeks before school. And then all of a sudden, like this kid who's like in your engineering class, who's in your dorm is like, I'm an athlete too. Now I was like, why? He's like, I joined athletes. I was like, you can't just like join sports. You have to like <laughs> be like recruited or somehow. It's like, yeah, man, I went to the, I went to the freshman fair and I'm on the crew now. I was like, what? All right, and I used to make fun this of this. Is a very, too, so. this is a very Johns Hopkins conversation, by the way. This is getting <laughs> when I showed up in my engineering class and I was needling him about his crew participation. He's got very Johns Hopkins. Uh, okay, so TBD on that. I'm sure you'll be uh, glued to Twitter again today to figure out what's going on, and I, I think by next Monday we'll have even more uh, clarity about what the NCAA is going to decide to do when was that ne- that other meeting was march 
or sorry, August, the end of August, right? When they kicked the can the, for the latest time? Well, I think the 24th or 26th, but basically okay. they kicked the can to there. So during this two-week period, all the schools cancel, and then they're going to look at all the schools they canceled. They'll look at my chart that I created for them, right? And be like, oh, yeah. it's over 50%. Okay, it's over. And they can't be like responsible for canceling it because it's like, well, hey, we can't have Conferences a championship. It. It's, it's conference's fault. You know? So if you, yeah. if you want NCAAs, teleconferences to come back. So you you think they'll wait? They're not going to make a preemptive announcement. They'll you'll wait. They'll wait until their next board of governors meeting, and they'll yeah. look at all the data about who all, come, all of them. Okay, and that's what people are telling you. Your board of governors sources are telling you the people inside no, the room that you talk I'm to. Telling, that's why I think makes most sense. Is that they're just going to yeah. let all the schools? They'll so they'll see if soccer goes over fifty percent, if volleyball, if cross country, if all these are over fifty percent, and then be like, hey. All 10 of our Olympic sports are over 50%, so they're all canceled. Mm -hmm. Now we just have to worry about football and how we handle a three power five. Five conferences. <laughs> exactly. It's how do we handle the Big 12, the SEC, the ACC, and Big Sky football? Well, the main NAU thing versus is, Alabama, I mean, week one. NAU versus LSU, week two. Well, I think Big Sky isn't doing it, but like a conference like the American Conference. Their, I think their play is, hey, if if Pac-12 and Big Ten aren't aren't here, hey, this is our chance again to power into the college football playoff, right? This is a chance for yeah. like a, a group of six schools to make the college football playoff. I saw a quote yesterday that said that the college football playoff wouldn't comment on whether or not the college football playoff was happening. So that's I don't think that's a good sign. It's gonna I, happen. If, well, if only the if there's happens. teams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Teams. I, are they worried about okay. the revenue loss in terms of no fans? Like, what's the? I know, I know, the TV money is the big money, but the the fans have to be a, a some portion, right? Well, some stadiums are going to have fans, just like less. Well, yeah, yeah. But if you're operating like an enormous stadium at twenty five percent capacity or thirty percent capacity. You're obviously not making as much money as you were before because there's all these costs just to get it up and running. I don't know. I don't yeah. We're getting into the areas I don't know about, but I, I'm just curious. So here's the thing. Are we now done mm. talking about this topic? Like, is it over? No. We've done like no. six consecutive pods about cross-country cancellation. We're trying to squeeze all the water out of the sponge before Lincoln gets back. I think we have at least two more episodes on this coming. We have the official – we have the official – sorry, we do. We have at least two more. It may not be Friday and Monday. It might be next week. It might be in two weeks, but we have the time of the official cancellation. And then we have the retrospective of what we're going to miss about it. Actually, we probably have four or five because we're probably going to get some coaches to come on and tell us what their plans are. Sorry, man. <laughs> Just how it is. I was talking, I was talking to a coach and they're thinking about putting on like, they have like 20 cross-country runners. So they're thinking about, hey, let's draft four, four cross-country teams, five apiece, right? And then mm -hmm. create our own like quad season between the four teams within the – the four squads within the team. And then they just race oh, regular cool. season and they have like their own championship. And then, you know, they could have captains and they kind of have a weird scoring system. 
and then like the winner gets whatever. I mean, I'm not sure what they can give out to the winner, but make like this like intra squad like season yeah. should be kind of cool. I like that. So. I like that. It's requiring people to get obviously get get creative. Um, yeah. I wonder how I wonder how many people will try to get in. We talked about this before, but how many people run unattached in road races, or if there's late summer, early fall track races. And, and see if they'll if they're fit and ready to go, and see if they'll get in in those races. I mean, this is when you wish Prefontaine was actually happening in October, because then all the right. all the the college kids would be like, "Hey, this is our chance. Let's get into a Diamond League meet." Right? Yeah, yeah. Or any like even the road races happening. Right, like the um, you know, there's always like the five Ks that go along with the major marathons. If if those were still happening, those would be high profile opportunities to race, and there'd be small races in their in their hometowns and where they're going to school as well too. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be strange. So I don't see an end to these podcasts. Just an FYI. So you, I know that you won't. So you're saying Connor, Connor Mance is uh, gonna fly to London to hop into the the London Park Marathon. <laughs> With the game I wouldn't. That would be amazing. How awesome I would would not, be he would probably like, "Hey guys," was going to lead for about 10k. Oh, on the London Marathon, I had someone text me a question, and I want to know your thoughts of it. Do you think Americans will run that? And if so, which ones? I mean, I'd said a, like a jokingly, like, "Hey, they should get Galen Rupp in it, right? He has nothing else to do. Like, there's there's no." Chicago for him to do. There's no New York. There's no, like he hasn't. He's itching, right? He was planning on running a marathon this week, right? That was his whole plan, right? The Olympic well, marathon was supposed oh, to be oh the Olympics. Well, I thought you're, yeah. I thought you're talking about Chicago. I was like, it's August, Gordon. No, 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 totally no, 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 August. Yeah, that. Yeah, you're. Right. would have been like sometime this week. So, uh, and if there's no road races, if like, if rock and roll and all that stuff is like shutting down some of the races i don't know like you think hey why not but i don't know mm -hmm. maybe he doesn't yeah. want to deal with like showing that he's not a too flat marathoner yet and so like <laughs> running in third place behind those two guys isn't really great for his like reputation i don't know though. that's what i thought with him i thought i am not i don't know if he's gonna go sign up to race kipchoge that would be that would be a tough sell but the person on the next tier down, somebody who has a, a lower profile, I, I was wondering if Jake Riley is going to try to get in that race or Jared Ward or Abdi or someone like that. Or on the women's side yeah, is – well, not Molly – I don't think Molly – I think Molly Huddle and Emily Sisson have transitioned back to, to focusing on the track. But I don't know, Linden or – I saw Hasey is running a road race in – overseas let's see what did i see i saw that this morning she's running a half marathon overseas so maybe uh i don't know but i don't know when the date is on that one when are we are beginning of october right is the uh october 3rd or 4th i think it is yeah 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 so i i was just wondering because when someone asked i said i didn't really think about that all i thought about is kipchoge Bekele, and bridget and bridget koskai that's all i thought of so something to keep an eye on are you ready to talk yeah, about the Diamond know. League? Yeah, I am ready. Uh, it's good, good meet. Did you think this this could be the best meet of the year? 
Start off with the bang, end with the bang. Yes. Yeah, it's funny. It's as if you look at them when you look at the Monaco start lists, it's as if the season's been completely normal because it looks like a yeah. fairly typical <laughs> Monaco start list. You have all the let me just run through this. Let me just run I'll just do a quick once over the start list and then we can zoom in. So men's high hurdles, you have Holloway, Ortega, Andrew Pazzi, who's been on a hot streak right now. 800, you have Brazier, Hopple, Ferguson Rotic, Amel Tuka. In the uh, women's 5,000, you have Safan Hassan. The men's 400 hurdles, you have Carson Warholm. Men's 15, you have Timothy Chariot. You have Jakob Ingebrigtsen, Philip Ingebrigtsen, Craig Engels, Yomif Kajelka. That one's completely stacked. Women's 400, you have Wildland Jonathans, who we talked about yesterday in the pod. Men's 5,000, Joshua Cheptegei going for a world record in that event, trying to get that 1237 mark. And then men's 200, you have Noah Lyles. Women's 1,000, you have uh, gold medalist Faith Kipigon. You have Laura Mir. You have Halima Nakai, the 800-meter world champion, Jamma Riki, and Raven Rogers. So this this looks like a normal season Monaco meet to me. Yeah, there's some other people you even mentioned. You have Shannon Roberry in the 5K, um, making a comeback there, and then you have um, in the in the five in the what's it called in the yeah I just went oh in the 200 you have uh, Guliev, who's a 2017 mm-hmm. world champ. So correct, it's yeah. good. Yeah. What are you what are you most looking forward to here out of all these events? Who are you, who who are you most excited to see? I mean, I don't know who I'm well, I think who I'm most excited to see is not worth the A block of discussing this meet. Okay, sense? what event are you most what are you most excited to see? What event are you most excited to see then? Well, I don't want to say what I'm most excited to see because that's not what people want to hear about. I think people want to hear us talk about the men's 5K. That's not what I'm most excited to see, though, but we should talk about the world record attempt. Okay. Are you on... I was say, who are you... What are your thoughts? Do you think a world record is actually going to happen or actually within reach? No. Chepta guy, though, he runs 12.51 on the road. Now, granted, those were in super shoes, but he runs 12.51 on the road. So if someone runs 12.51... In a road 5K, you're thinking, well, maybe, maybe they can run 14 seconds faster on the track. That's not that much farther to 12.37. His 5,000-meter PR on the track is 12.57. So he'd need to cut off 20 additional seconds. I certainly think he's capable of getting a PR, and based on how good the field is, he can run under 12.50, but I don't, I don't see him cracking 12.40 in this race. Yeah, I just don't see a that massive of a PR to go to from twelve fifty seven on the track to the world record on the track. I mean, what was Bekele's personal best before he ran that time? Before a, you're saying what was Bekele's best before he ran the world record? Yeah. Yeah. So he ran well, his, so his second best time all time is, was 12.40, but he ran that in 05. He ran that after. So let me just pull this up here. Bekele. Wow, actually, this is a good question. He might have had a big jump. This might not go in the direction you wanted it to go. Oh, 
Well, then maybe. <laughs> well, it's a good direction to think about. I think in general. What was his time? Yeah. Uh, in 03, he ran a 12:52, and and then 04 he ran 12:37. But everything else is from 05, 06. Uh, he ran a 12:49 so, and 07. Yeah. So it was 52 to 37. Yes. Right. Yes. So 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess but, maybe Chep the guy thinks like my road time is like what Bekele's track time was like. Sure, but we're also comparing Joshua Cheptegei to Kennedy Sibikele, and I don't know if we're there yet. I don't know if we're there yet <laughs> in terms of – I mean, he won, got that, got those global titles last year, which is great, but Bekele, one of the all-time greats in the sport. I could be proven wrong, but I think it's going to be very hard. Now, you could look at someone you know, like Mohamed who got within 10 seconds of Bekele's world record um, – just a few weeks ago. And you can say, well, if he could do that, could, could chapter guy be even quicker? Yes. But think about that. I mean, 10 seconds is a lot. First of all, for 47 or 37 and Mohamed's no slouch himself. And Mohamed did that in a race that was perfectly set up um, with the pacing and the conditions. I don't think we're going to get as ideal a setup in Monaco as we did in Portland for that time trial. One big reason is Joshua Cheptegei is not racing just with his teammates. He's racing um, a fully competitive field. Are there people on there that can keep the pace going? Yeah, there's there's several guys in here who have run you know, low 13s or under 13 minutes. But this would be a massive, a massive leap up for for Cheptegei. So I don't see him him doing it, but. Let's recalibrate our expectations. If he cracks twelve fifty, that's a huge performance for him. That is, yeah. It's it's kind of interesting looking at. So, Bikele, he broke thirteen minutes, one, two, three times in two thousand three. Mm -hmm. Then he broke it again. Was that indoor? No, it's not indoor. That is it. He ran twelve forty nine indoors. Oh my God. Uh, so he ran. <laughs> He broke 13, 1, 2, 3, 4, four times before he ran the world record. Yeah. So, I because I was thinking, was Bikele like constantly a sub-13 guy, like consistently before he had the big breakout? But looks like most of his sub-13s came after his 1237. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think yeah. I think people don't run fast in the 5K. Like they don't slowly get like a little bit, little bit, little bit. They just make a big jump, kind of like what Mohamed did, right? He was just like, boom, okay. I'm gonna run a fast one right now. So it's not like you you don't work your way down to your 5K PR when you're at this elite level. It's more you only get it's like a flash in the pan type moment, right? Because Okay. Typically, you don't run 5Ks all-out effort for all 12 and a half laps. So mm -hmm. if this is Sheptekai's flash-in-the-pan moment, then maybe he's in a sub-1250 area. But sub-1240, 1237, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But at yeah. the same time, I mean, Bekele, I guess, became relevant 
like to think about, oh, he's fast when he wrote, ran the world record indoors, which was in 2004. But like before Bekele ran his 1237, I mean, he was he was basically a similar um, time runner as what Cheptekai is, if we're being honest, right? Uh, yeah, but it's just I like mean, different for, eras, though. Go yeah, ahead. Bikele got third at Worlds in 2003, and then in 2004, he breaks the world record. He was third. Yeah. He was a, right? Like, most of Bikele's legendary, like, career is post-world record, if not all of it, which is kind of weird. You're saying, about, right? It's, you're saying that was, the, that was the start of it, and... So we shouldn't judge. I don't know, man. He had some. He had world cross country titles, short course and oh, long shut, course in two thousand two. Oh my god! In two thousand three, he had a cross country short course and long course. Uh, yeah, I could go on and on with all of his uh, cross country titles here. I don't know why you're not uh, considering that. Oh uh, three. Let's look at Bekele. Oh three. What did Bekele do in oh three? He ran twelve fifty two in Oslo, and then he got third at Worlds. Yeah. But that was the that was the El Garouge, uh that was the El Garouge Kipchoge race though. Still got third, man. Worlds. That doesn't count though. If you lose to El Garouge and and Kipchoge, that you, again, that's that's just that's a that's an aberration. Do they win twelve fifty two, twelve fifty two, twelve fifty three at Worlds? Fourth place, John Kibowen. I feel bad for this guy, John Kibowen. Fourth place at Worlds, 12.54, and you finish fourth to three of the greatest of all time. That's a tough break. I was just looking. Bekele's 10 fastest 5Ks, the average of that is 12.47, <laughs> which is like what Mo did, right? Isn't yeah. that wild that like you take his top 10 races and it's basically – he was so good. But, like, all of them are – I mean, the majority of them are all post-world record that he ran all of his fast 5K times. So, I mean, if we think about it, it does you know make what? sense that a world record would come without any warning. Yes. Yes, but I just don't – I mean, knowing – again, I'm using what Bekele did after also to inform us here. Like, later on that summer, he goes – and runs a 10k world record as well too. Now maybe Chapter Guy will do that, and maybe this is a continuation of of his run, and he's going to go on this. But if you think if you think he's not quite Bekele, and that's Chapter Guy I'm talking about, if if he's good but not quite Bekele, well that would that would obviously make him a very very good runner, but it obviously would put him outside of 1237. Speaking of top 10 averages here, do you know what Hishimal Garuza's av top 10 average 1500 time is? Is it sub three thirty? Yes. Wow. What is it? Three twenty seven. Here's his here's his ten. Here's his ten. Three twenty six, 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 three twenty seven, three twenty seven, three twenty seven, three twenty seven, three twenty eight. Wow. Yeah, it's just a different different era in terms of fast times. I'll be pleasantly surprised if he does it. I'll be pleasantly surprised if he does it, but it's going to be difficult. I actually think – now, she's not talking world record, but Safan Hassan 
in the women's 5,000, you'd think on paper could have a chance at that mark. She's run 14-22, but given her ability in the 1,500 and the 10,000, that's a perfect event for her. Again, she hasn't raced. We haven't seen her race at all this year. So we have no idea what sort of shape she's in and she's not talking up a record attempt. So I guess this wouldn't be in play, but 1411 is the women's world record. That to me seems more attainable by her than 1237 is by guy. Yeah, I would agree with that. I also just, but I also don't think Hassan is trying to do that. Right. I mean, she seems to be chilling a little bit. I think she's just chilling. She's not, we haven't seen anything from her. Right. And I think that, there's no need to like she doesn't need to prove anything. She doesn't need to prove herself with a world record attempt. We all know that she's the heavy favorite in whatever event she enters. Mm-hmm. So it's kinda like I think she's going there for the appearance fee and run a fast time. Or no not even run a fast, just win the race. I think she's I don't think she's gonna push it. I think she's just gonna sit on third place. She's gonna go right to the last place after the first lap, <laughs> then work her way up at mile mark. And then be in third place with the mile to go, and then wait till everyone makes a move, and then make the last move and win. So that's what we'll happen. It it's a good it's a good field though. I don't th- I don't think you're showing up to this unless you're in some kind of shape because Obiri is there, five K world champion last year. Gade is in there. Beatrice Chepkovich, the women's five thousand meter or three thousand meter steeplechase world record holder. Uh, you brought up Robery. What's your expectations for Robery in this race? I mean, okay, if it's assuming it's a if it's a fast race, I mean, she should she'll probably run 14 45, I bet. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess. If it's a slow race, yeah. she'll run like 15 no 1505. Mhm. But I think she's like sub 1450 ability based on running 840 and running 402 like Mhm. That's sub 1450 in my opinion are you going to talk about the person you want to see now that we've already talked about the world record attempts or no are you going to keep that hidden for a while i'm gonna keep that hidden for a while listen to the pod all the way through lincoln strike (laughs) okay who hopefully listens to all our pods we definitely doesn't i don't i don't think he's listening to a single one uh you want to talk about brazier now yeah okay so looking at the field so i know you listen so Marco Arop, who's in there, who's a fellow SEC comrade, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Donovan Brazier, Joseph Dang, Bryce Hopple, though. And then Ferguson Rotich is good. Tuka. So Tuka, Rotich, Hopple, and Brazier are like the big four. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like some tough competition, right, for Brazier. I mean, obviously, Brazier is in a different category, but for him to go up against three other world championship caliber world championship medalist caliber athletes will be interesting to see how it unfolds i mean i have no idea what type of shape rotich is in tuka i feel like is a wild card he kind of came on the scene randomly what four or five years ago and everyone's like who's this emil tuka guy he was like the forest (laughs) baron of of countries from yeah bosnia Herzegovina. yeah I guess the question is, Frazier jogged a one four, a one forty three. I assume this is going to have good pacing. I assume it's going to go out in what forty nine fifty low. So, mm-hmm. 
I think he's going to run another like maybe a 143 flat, 142 high. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. I could see him getting down to 142 mid. I know there's discussion about can he break his American record 142.3. I think that's pretty close, but it's definitely in the in the ballpark just how easy he looked running that 143. This is not the big friendly. This is Monaco. It's a faster track, better conditions, theoretically better pacing. So I could see him going going faster, but still, he's only run a few races this year. And if one minor at that level, at that speed, if one minor thing is off, lose a couple tenths here, a couple tenths there, I would be, I'd be, I wouldn't be shocked if he breaks his American record. But if he does that, man, you'd really want to see him run a full season. You say, keep going, just keep running in Europe because uh, you, you ran fast in this one. I think it's a runaway though. I don't, I think after the, the rabbit steps off, I think it's going to be all Brazier. It's going to look a lot like the world championship final in Doha. Yeah, I agree with that. I am interested to see how Hopple does. We haven't seen him yet make his uh, 2020 debut. Um, yeah, I mean, imagine if what time would Hopple need to run for you to be like, oh, shit. Man, after last year, you just, you'd expect him to just be solid and always be there. And he had that long win streak. Yeah, we haven't seen him race since he won indoors in Albuquerque. 144.25 is what he ran in Doha last year. I mean, 143? Do you think he's thinking 143? Yeah. I just have no idea what type of, to shape he, of, of shape he's in. And I tend to believe once these Monaco invites went out, that was a big motivating factor. Because that's Monaco is not just a meet that you run just to run if you're a mid-distance runner. You know it's a good opportunity to go fast, and you know everybody's going to be ready to, ready to go. And you don't want to get embarrassed out there. Uh, and you also want to take advantage of how quick that track is. So, I, I could see I could see Hopple running running very quick. I think you know, obviously anything anything under one forty four five, I think is a solid a solid run for him because it's still close to his his best time ever. Um, but man, if Brazier gets going, he starts pulling people along. This is Bryce Hopple fresh. When's the last time Bryce Hopple's been fresh? He ran like ninety races last year. This must be so weird time, for him. He, he, yeah, I know, right? He's normally running like random like Kansas, Kansas State dual meet four by fours, right? So he he's gonna get to anymore. the last he's gonna get to the last two hundred. He's gonna say, Oh, this is what my hamstrings feel like. This is cool. And then he runs one forty three. <laughs> I'm not I'm not ruling anything out. I'm not ruling anything out based on what we've seen from everybody else on the mid distance scene this year and distance running this year. It's been really quick. So I I, I could see him running uh something fast. This 1500 with Timothy Chariot. Now, Timothy Chariot, again, do you remember? Are you old enough to remember the Impossible Games? Oh, yeah, I am old enough to remember that. Do you remember what happened to poor Team Kenya there when they were racing virtually against Team Norway? Uh, I didn't watch it. I was at a McDonald's parking lot when it was happening, uh, doing my <laughs> podcasting, but. Uh... I heard it was kind of not even conditions and there was like no. delay and it was like weird, right? It wasn't like raining or something. And also at altitude. It was raining, raining, altitude, wind, and they had to do it twice because according to Asbel Twitter's Kiprop, uh, As- Asbel Kiprop's Twitter, they counted the laps wrong the previous day. So they had to come back the next day and then do it again. That's his one appearance that we know about this year. 
I think he's ready to go. I think he's a little motivated. I think he's a little got a chip on his shoulder. So again, I think he's going to roll here. But, but we we know how good Jakob Ingerbertson has been in the first part of the season. So there is a gulf there between first and second. Because right now, similar to the 800, where it's Brazier and everybody else, the 1500 last year was Chariot and then everybody else. Can somebody finally beat him? He's got a pretty big streak going here. Chariot, that is. He hasn't lost. You know the last time Timothy Chariot has like – I'm not counting this, this impossible game. So I'm just not. Sorry. He has not lost since May 3rd, 2019. You know that's not that long. When you really think okay, about it, want- when the entire 2020, there was like no races. So like he's basically been undefeated for like a season. You want another stat? Here's another stat. Yeah, this will this stat. will impress you. Okay. I he mean, hasn't I haven't finished the race since January 2020. You know, whatever. Basically, he went most of 2019 undefeated. All right. This is a better okay. stat. All right. That's fine. That's fair. That's fair. You, you you got on me about that. That wasn't the best stat. Um I'm 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 sending an angry email to Elias Sports Bureau and ESPN stats and info. <laughs> Here's a better stat. When's the last time he's finished outside of the top three? So, in essence, when's the last time he's had a bad race? How about this one? May 5th, 2017 is the last time he's finished outside of the top three. No? Does that move the needle at all? Yes? No? uh, I mean, 2018 was an off year, so, like, (laughs) it's really only two seasons of that. (laughs) He only got – so, he – here. Let me – okay, I'll explain it this way. Give me a number. Just don't give me dates. Give me, like – total number of races he's gone in a row of that's a lot of counting that's a lot of counting he only lost once in 2019 i'll tell you that he only lost once in 2019 and he only lost twice in 2018 and both times were it was second every single time and then in 2017 obviously the beginning he finished fifth and then there's a whole bunch of of second or first and then a couple seconds and a third sprinkled in so I should have had the record. You're right. I should have had the record. I would. I should say Timothy Chariot is 35 and four, or something yeah. like that. But I don't have that. It's okay. Intern is fired. Right. Ingebrigtsen. Yeah, he's fast. Does he have a shot? I mean, I know Chariot's on a different level, right? And it's like the Don Brazier yeah. type level. But like Jacob has just continued to get better year after year. He's get mainly just because he's getting older, right? I mean, he's still mm-hmm. what twenty twenty one now. I don't even know how old mm-hmm. he is, but like, there's going to be a moment when Jacob has an opportunity to have the to like. I think there's going to be a time when Jacob is going to be the best in the world, and is that twenty and twenty twenty like right now? Is that twenty twenty one, or we have to wait till twenty? 23 till he's the best in the world uh do you think i think this is his chance chance. yeah okay i think i think there's a 100 percent chance with the pandemic the weird training schedule i think jacob has a great chance to win this race i think he has a great chance but win but sorry but no but i also think that a win is not going to be a sign of necessarily a sea change in this event because of all those weird things you just said, just because he wins, if he wins this one, that doesn't mean that he's now the favorite for for twenty twenty one. I think we need to see more, more races from the both of them. Um, Angles is in there. Any expectations for him? Kajelka as well. Okay, 
Over under six and a half place for Angles. Okay, so Chariot, Ingebrigtsen, Kajelka, it's three, Lewandowski. You know what? I'm going to go under. I'm going to say fifth because he's been running races. He's been running races, and a lot of these other people haven't. The time trial setting, I don't think, is his jam. I don't think that's his best form, is time trials. Yeah. I think it's, I take over. I think he finishes like ninth. It is wild. His PR is 334. You look at everybody else's PRs in this race. Yeah. 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 333, 328, 330. Uh, there's a 336. He has the second, or sorry. Yeah, he's got, he's got one of the slowest personal bests in here. But I mean, that's Americans for you in distance races. We don't try to run fast. <laughs> we just try to time. We try to win tactical races. Yeah. I mean, what? Let's Go ahead. see. Let's. Okay, Centro. Okay, since let's start. Uh, when did he start running Monaco? Okay, I don't know when he From started 20, running. But let's assume twenty twelve, maybe. Okay, twenty twelve. He didn't run. So twenty thirteen. He gets eighth in this race. 2014, he gets ninth. 2015, Centrowitz gets tenth in 2015. 2016, mm -hmm. Centro doesn't run it the year he wins the Olympics. 2017, he gets ninth. 2018, yeah. so you can get the idea. He gets well, seventh. and he runs his he runs his PR. And he runs his PR. He gets tenth. He runs his PR. He gets tenth. Yeah. He got so tenth that year. That's what I'm saying. It's like if the Olympic champion is averaging eighth to ninth place in this race, I think Craig Engels, who you could say is USA, I mean, at least last year was USA's best 1500 meter runner, that typically the top American is finishing ninth in this type of race. Man, those are good stats. That's good. But I'm going to put in the uh, the pandemic. Uh, algorithm here and say that angles because he's racing and the brazier factor he gets to train with donovan brazier that's that's worth a little bit there right i i think that's an astounding stat but listen do they give out medals in monaco uh no they give out uh <laughs> vouchers for food in the hotel which are great the they give out bentley's they give out bentley's. what's the what's the, yeah are, are there monaco olympics no so Centro's doing doing the the right thing here. Shows up when it counts. All right, we're to the end here of the of the preview. What else? What do you want to talk about? What was the well, your so thing you're most excited? Other, I mean, no, well, hold on, Let's hold that off. Okay, so we had the one ten hurdles. Grant Holloway. Uh, I'm excited to see. He's running here. Should that's probably, the that's what you're excited I mean, to see? No, no, we're not there okay. yet. Save the best for last. Uh, is NAU going to be I, here? Is that where this is headed? <laughs> No, Grant Holloway, right? Ryan uh, Raff's in the 5K. 1298 PR, 13.35 this year. Where do you think Holloway does? I mean, is he flirting with sub-13 or no, not yet? I don't think yet because I think it could take him a little bit to get his rhythm, although he was really good indoors. But he's run one race outdoors. I think he wins. I think he'll run 13-1 you know, would be my prediction. And then Carson Wilhelm, I mean – it's going to be a, what another like a 47 high type race probably yeah he doesn't he doesn't need anybody 
to run fast. So the fact that Benjamin and Samba aren't in here doesn't really matter. And he seems to be very consistent in that 47 range. I don't think that'll be any different. I think I can see him running like 474 or 475. Okay. The women's 400. Yeah. I'm ex- I'm interested to see what Irby does. Yeah. Irby, same. I mean, let's not forget. She went 49-8 in college as like a freshman or sophomore. Was it freshman year? It was freshman year. Freshman year. Freshman. 49-8 and then dealt with injuries, left Georgia and kind of never got back to her prime 20 uh i guess it was 2018 she did that mm-hmm. i guess 2018 uh yep. do you think that we're now going to see the irby that we thought we were going to see you know what are your thoughts yeah those she's run some early season meets too so and, and she's looked she looked like she's on the upswing um now what she did in 2018 was so good but she set such a high bar for herself that it's going to be, it's going to take a little while, I think, you know, for all the, the training to, to catch up. But yeah, this year, she, I mean, she ran 23 low in a, in a 200, uh, was that against Shawnee Miller-Webo? So I don't, I mean, anything, I think mid fifties would be a, a good run here for her. Yeah. And Jonathan, cool so wait, Jonathan shows up and, shows what you th- said in the last pod that she has her chance to like really shine um in 2021 so maybe this will be the start mm-hmm. of that that's what you were saying so yeah because there may not be a lot of competition <laughs> in the 400 <laughs> for for a variety of reasons it will look at this field though this fi- now this field would not be a olympic final field but in this field in the field kind of sh- yeah, it's a weaker field, but she has the best personal best of this of this field. But it could look – it won't look exactly like this. It will be harder than this. But there could be other people uh, on the, in, in the final from, from this. I mean, this the, she could enter uh, 2021 if Shawnee Miller-Webo does not run it and if she maintains her spot as a top American and Nasser is suspended because of whereabouts violations, she could, she could have a, a shot at the gold medal. I agree. Men's 200, Noah Lyles. Maybe we see something, something special, something fast. I don't know. It seems kind of hard to – I mean, but, like, if someone like uh, Kenny B is running 19.80 and Trayvon mm-hmm. Bromel is running sub-990s, you got to think that Noah should be able to rip a fast 200 here. I mean, he ran 19.94 this season. His PR is 19.50. I mean, I think he's got to be at least show a little bit of swag and run a 19.7 at least. Hmm. Well, he ran 19, he ran 19.65 in 2018 here, which is impressive because the sprints usually aren't all that quick in Monaco because the there's not uh, a, a good wind. It's not like Eugene where you catch the right wind. You know or that because you were there. fake wind that Eugene does where they say – all 3.0 wins or 1.9 to make it win legal. Mm-hmm. I yeah, we know, I did. We know I have seen that before. Yeah, we had a class actually in college about that. It was it was very very technical. 1965. I think 1965 is a is a good marker for him here. If I was going to set an over under, it would be at 1965. I'd set the over under at 1973. 
Okay. I'll go under. Cool. For I all those we'll gambling night. out there. <laughs> I think we'll see a night. I think we'll see. I'll think. We'll, I think we'll see a 1970. I think. I think I'll, I'll go under. I think he's motivated. He's ready to go. He's run a couple of races. I think we'll see something quick. You got this woman's 1K. Uh, Laura Muir's in it. You got a bunch of 800 meter runners in it. Uh, Faith Kipiagin's in it. So it's kind of hard to wrap your head around a fast 1K time, to be honest. Both on the men's and women's side, you're kind of like, what is that? You know. This uh, is a great race. The only problem is it's a 1K. And I guess that's yeah. drawing in people from other events that make it that interesting. So I, I shouldn't be that upset about it. But you have Kippy Hagan, Muir, Nakai, Nanyando, Riki, and Rogers. That's top shelf right there. Those are all like like Riki was on the come up this year, and because the season ended, we didn't really we didn't get to see um if she could have taken that all the way to an Olympic final. Rogers silver medal, Nakai gold medal. Mir in the mix every single time. Kip Yegon, Olympic champion. It's a good field. It's a good field. The only problem is they're running a 1K. Yeah, I think Muir is going to be the favorite here. I'm interested to see what Rogers does because, mm-hmm. I mean, she's like a 4'8 woman. So, I mean, it's kind of yeah. like what Pete Julian did to Donovan. He was a 4'8 <laughs> runner. And he's like, well, you're Throw running 1,500, buddy. And you're going to be good. And you're going to run 335s jogging backwards. So maybe this is pete's way to get rogers on the same type of design that can you imagine Razor's on can you imagine if Rave oh, rogers runs a 15 like goes out and just jogs like a four flat like in a 1500 what's raven rogers is has she ever run a like a mile i can't think of like bringing up her mile split profile <laughs> I have the, it'll be from def- high school. The definitive. I'll look and see if she did anything in college. I I remember seeing her more in eight hundred was the most. Yeah. Well, the four hundred when school. she did. Yeah. No, there's nothing I mean, listed was on a, here above thousand. Yeah. No, she. This this would be the farthest race she's ever run in her life. Yeah, she's only run <laughs> max the longest eight hundred. Oh, I'm seeing a thousand from 2020. I'm seeing a thousand oh, okay. from this year, though. When? Yeah. Boston. Where? New New Balance Indoor, right? In Boston earlier this year. Okay. Showing two two thirty nine. That was before um. The tr- the change though, right? Yeah. Before the coaching change. I mean, this this isn't as surprising as Emma Coburn never running a five k, but it is a bit shocking that Raven Rogers has run a two hundred, and she has not run a, a fifteen hundred. Yeah. So, I mean, what if in 2022 we're looking at Raven Rogers going up against Shelby Houlihan in a in a 1500? Who would have thought? Yeah. I mean, you almost think that's the way to if if you're trying to if you're trying to program a way to beat Houlihan or I mean Stefanis on a 1500, you almost have to come at it from that direction. You have to come at it from a the 800 direction as opposed to the, the traditional means. Yeah. Same so with I'm Brazier. excited to see yeah, if, if Raven Rogers goes out there and runs like two, like 35, I'm going to mm-hmm. be like, Oh shit. Right. This is like, this is her. Is that when you'll be oh shit. This is her signaling like, Hey, 
watch out in like two years, I could be running a fast 1500. That's what I think. Do you think she has any desire to run a fast fifteen hundred? No, but neither does Brazier. But Brazier's is like crying running three thirty five in a jog. So not crying, you know what I mean? Like, oh man, I gotta do this. But like, they're so good. They're just talented, right? They're the best mm-hmm. in the world, best in the U.S. And they just have never been told, hey, use these talents over four laps as opposed to two. And mm-hmm. it's like, hey, it also works in four laps, right? I mean, it's like when Centro goes out there and runs like a fat, like a thirteen flat five k. You're like, yeah, Centro's yeah, yeah. never run the five k, and then he goes out there and runs thirteen flats. So you're like, okay. Speed is no joke. I mean, that's just the that's the reality of it. You look at someone like I mean, Houlihan, right? When she was in high school and college, was doing a lot shorter races. Remember, like the stories about Laura Raisler in high school running the oh, the yeah. hundred and the two hundred. <laughs> That and they you just apply it to the next distance up, the next distance up. American record, by the way, in the thousand two thirty one point eight zero. World record two twenty eight ninety eight. Yeah, I don't think she's gonna do that, but I think if she runs under two thirty five, we gotta start thinking. Raven Rogers in a fifteen hundred. When are we gonna get that? <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do a, We'll do a nice uh, meet live and flow with Emma Coburn in a five k. Raven Rogers in a fifteen hundred. Put Donovan in like a 10k. It'll be great. <laughs> his his longest uh, his long run for the week. Uh, all right, what else you got? Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Well, what we what were you looking forward to? What was the thing you didn't want to say? Oh, what was I looking forward to? Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, the 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 uh, San Antonio Utah game at 5:30 Central oh. on TNT. So you didn't, you jerk. All right. That's it. Thanks to Lon for producing. <laughs> Gordon and I have one more episode together next week. And then Lincoln returns. Lincoln, we miss you. What's up, Ollie? Hope your dad and mom are being nice to you. We'll talk to you guys next time.